Hello, everyone. This is Two Cents Worth. I'm your host, Ryan DeFaber. This show, we talk about sports, fitness, and life. We talk about my life. We talk about my fitness journey. And we talk about my life in sports and my opinions on all those things. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Here we go. Today, coaching Little League. So on a past episode, I talked about my thoughts on Little League and where I had seen it. Uh, I lived it, obviously, played baseball my whole life. But um, in a past episode, I talked about what I um, witnessed and observed through my son's first, my oldest son's first, I'd say, competitive year in Little League, you know, beyond T-ball they go into machine pitch and, um, you know, what, what I saw in those observations and, and some of my hesitations in regards to coaching and why I wasn't coaching my son. And finally, you know, um, with the year that 2020 has been and, um, the madness that's been brought to it, I I kind of told myself and, and, you know, kind of looking back at it now, I think I was definitely wrong, but I kept on telling myself, no, you, you don't need to coach him at home, you know, he barely, he doesn't listen to you anyways, even though he does, or we have good kids, but, um, you know, in my head, I'm like, he doesn't listen to you anyways. It's a good thing for him to learn and hear from other coaches. That way he, he can listen to them. And it's not just me all day long listening or talking to him and, and trying to coach him and teach him. Um, because I already do that as a father to begin with, and I can do that on the side and not be completely involved. And, um, you know, that, that changed over this past year, and Nolan had asked me a few times, you know, would you be the coach? Would you be the coach? So um, I watched him again through the summer play and wasn't involved again, kind of just sat and watched it and, and noticed some things from the coaches that, you know, I'm sitting there going, maybe if I was the coach, I would have done that a little different. If I was the coach, I would have done that a little different. I do like that about what they've done in that coaching aspect and, and kind of observed more from the aspect of, I think the next season I'm going to coach. And so, you know, that's where, where I was at. Maybe it was, I wasn't confident in myself to confident enough in myself to coach kids. Uh, maybe it was, I was worried that my patients wouldn't, um, be there for the, the rest of the kids, uh, you know, with having the kids at home all summer and, and into the fall that, you know, the concern, you know, might've been, my patience is already thin. Then I have to go and coach, you know, 10 to 11 other kids, you know, are they going to get the best from me and out of me? Or are they going to get the worst out of me because I'm going to be drained by the end of the day? You know, all the types of things that kind of go through your head in regards to, am I the right person to be coaching my kid or a team? And finally I was like, listen, dude, you've played baseball your entire life. You're extremely knowledgeable about it. You're seeing your kid right now being coached by others that have the same type of knowledge or less or more. And you can go and do that and put a, and make a positive impact on not only your child, but the other kids that are on the team and and potentially, you know, the parents and kids on the other teams as well, you know, because that's what it's about. It's, it's about the kids and it's about 
the um, the impact that you can make, and you know you you like that sport, you love that sport your entire life, and still do, and you want to show people why and the kids why it's such a great game. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I signed up um, initially as an assistant because I was like, well, maybe I don't. Um, we go right into head coaching and maybe I'm an assistant this time. So I signed up to be an assistant. They didn't have enough coaches to be uh, signing up for head coaching. So they asked me, they said, Hey, you know, I know you signed up to be an assistant, but could you be the head coach? So I thought about it for, I don't know, 20 minutes. And I said, you know what? Maybe not even that long. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. I'll, I'll be the head coach and I'll learn as I go. And then I'll decide, you know, at the end of the season, am I going to do this again or do I just want to go into being an assistant coach? So that hesitation kind of um, got pushed out of me because it was, hey, I know you signed up to be an assistant coach. We don't even have enough people to be head coaches. Can you be a head coach? And so there goes that hesitation because it was, all right, I'm sitting on the sidelines. I, I'm, I want my kid to learn from other coaches. I watch another season, hmm, you know, I could do that, or I would have done that differently, or I like how they did that, to, all right, I'll be an assistant, that way I don't have the full blunt responsibility of all of it, but I can still impact the kids and, and spread some of my knowledge to them, to then, all right, here we go, I'm the head coach. Um, so, you know, it was good for my oldest son, and then my youngest son, I helped the assistant coach his t-ball team as well. So I was busy this fall with coaching. And I, I really did enjoy it um, at the end of the day. And I'll get into that as well towards towards the end of the episode and, and kind of as throughout um, as we continue to talk. But, um, you know, that's what I, I finally did. It. I said, you know, this, is, it, this isn't about me anymore. This is about my kids. This is about the other kids on the team and the other kids in the league. And if you have knowledge and you, you have a love for the game, why not help other kids get there or, you know, continue on that path to love the game and, and learn more. And so, you know, that's what I did. My concern in some of it was going to be the other coaches and um, seeing how competitive things already were in regards to my oldest son in, in machine pitch, it was a little concerning because I just remember – growing up and maybe as a kid you you're naive to it and you don't see it but I never really thought that there was that type of competitiveness out of the coaches as I've seen in little league and I don't think it matters which league you're in or where you play I think little league as a whole right now it is just becoming more and in youth sports in general it's just becoming more and more competitive and I do have a concern about that um and it's in regards to burnout, um, overall coaching of the children. You know, who, who who is this really benefiting? Is it is it you that you're you as a coach are trying to stroke your own ego? Are you trying to make up for something that you didn't have that your kid might have? You know, talent wise. You know what what is it that's making you push these kids at such an age? And are they learning or? You know what? What's what? What is coming out of it? At the same time, I think competition and competitiveness is is good, especially in in youth sports, because it does teach kids life lessons. You know, in in real life, there are winners and losers. Um, you know, 
that's that's the fact and 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 it helps build a kid's character when you know they they lose and when they win and that and understanding that feeling on both sides of it so you know there was that concern a little bit about you know what other coaches am i going to run into um and you know how do you manage that as a as an adult and as a coach to also make sure that the kids don't see it in a negative aspect. And what I mean by that is if you've run into a very competitive coach, how do you then respond as an individual? Um, I know myself, I try to stay level-headed as possible, but, you know, frustrations come in. Um, If something, a play happens that you weren't expecting or you're expecting a different outcome from the play or you're telling the kids what to do in that play and then they don't do it. And then, you know, your competitive juices kind of kick in more and more and more. Um, so there was that that thought. Um, and then right out of the gates, it was, okay, hey, you're now the head coach. Hey, also, here's a list of all the kids that have signed up for the league, and we have a draft, a live draft in a couple days. And I'm like, okay, well, I only know really the kids that played on my son's team in the summer and the fall before, like we're, we're only one year into playing in this league. I'm like, I don't know who all these kids are. So then it's this thought of, all right, who are these kids? And the worst thing to think, but it does come into your head, especially as a coach. And it's very unfortunate, but that thought process is there is who are their parents? Um, and as, as much as I hate to say that, from my experience now coaching and, and also just seeing it from the sidelines, there are some aggressive parents that also um, are extremely competitive and sometimes a little over competitive. But, and, and again, that the concern for me from a youth sports perspective is, you know, you want to teach these kids and get these kids to love the sport that you're coaching. And if you push them too hard at such a young age, or you only make them focus on one sport at such a young age, will they burn out? Will they hate it? Will they not learn? Will they shut down? Will they just say, you know what, I don't want to play anymore? And, and those are all things that do come into play here, and I certainly don't want that for my kids. So, you know, we, we keep their um, sporting prowess uh, as diverse as possible, you know, with soccer and swim and they play golf and baseball. So we're trying to get them to have all different aspects of of sport and not just focus in on one sport, especially at this age, right? The oldest is only going to be eight. Um, in a couple weeks and the youngest is only four, you know, it, it, it wasn't until my, for, uh, my sophomore year of high school that I solely focused on one sport, right? So throughout my life, for the most part, it was soccer, basketball, and baseball. And, you know, there was golf here and there and tennis and, and, um, you know, those, those sports kind of came in and out as, as they did, but the three main ones were baseball, basketball, and, and, um, soccer. And it wasn't until after middle school, I dropped soccer. So then my freshman year of high school, it was basketball and baseball. And then after my freshman year of high school, it was baseball. This is where I'm going to focus on. This is where I think I see my talents and this is what the sport I enjoy playing the most. And you can play baseball, uh, here in North Carolina, basically year round, um, if you really needed to. So you know, you have that ability to continue to hone in on your skills, especially at that age of, you know, 15, 16 years old. And so it wasn't until that time that I started to play one sport. And and what you're already seeing in youth sports is that kids are playing 
one sport at seven, eight years old. Like this is what they do. They play this league. They go on to this travel team. They go and do this in the fall. They don't play anything else because they go in the spring and then they play it in the summer. Um, and the, the thought of burnout does concern me a little bit. Um, so those are all my initial thoughts on, you know, what, what was I going to run into? So we have this draft, right? So I have all these, these kids. I don't know. I know some of them from Nolan's teams before, but, um, you know, you're kind of drafting blind when you come into a league like that and you, you're handed the head coaching job. So, and, and again, like I mentioned, some of the concern also comes into, you know, what might their parents be like? What might I deal with? And I, and I, and I will talk about that because I did have to deal with a couple things throughout the year, which I thought was, um, unfortunate. And I had a lot of good conversation with the commissioner of the league throughout the year. Um, he did a really good job of communicating to us and talking to us and, and utilizing his experience to help us as new coaches to kind of, you know, navigate through some of the politics, some of the stuff that you deal with in regards to parents, et cetera. So, you know, that was certainly helpful talking to him and, um, you know, kind of um, venting to him and also hearing, you know, his stories and, and, you know, at the end of all of it, it wasn't really that bad. But some of the stuff that I had to deal with as a coach in regards to parents, and we're, and we're talking about seven and eight-year-olds at this point, um, was, a, was a little unfortunate, but it is what it is, right? So, um, you know, we go through the draft, we get, we get the, we draft the kids, everything goes smooth. It seems like um, I have a decent team. Some of the kids had ratings because they they have to do assessments, and some of them play on what they call challenge teams, so they already have assessments. And again, so I knew some of them. So it wasn't a complete blind walking in, hey, here's a bunch of names of kids you don't know. Uh, Best of luck. You know, again, the commissioner and the other coaches kind of helped each other talk about, you know, each kid's attributes and what they knew about each kid. So we go through that, but... You know, that was an experience in itself as well as, you know, you're going into a draft and some of these guys have older children and some of these guys have been coaches for a couple of years. So they, they know each other a lot more and they know the kids and they, they kind of know, they know all the rules that go into play in regards to this. You know, that was some of the stuff that I had to kind of learn and, and understand and, and read up on and ask questions is, you know, Hey, what are the rules on here? All this, because it, it does go into play on each kid in our league has to play a certain amount of um, infield time and has to play outfield by a certain inning and all that stuff. So it creates rotation, and it's a great thing for the kids because it teaches them how to play basically every position on the field um, regardless of skill level, which is really nice. I did appreciate that, and I think that's a great rule, and I wish most leagues would put that into play, especially at that age, because that's another thing that's unfortunate is that you see in youth sports right now too. Um and I'm, I'm going to just talk about baseball for this one, but, you know, at seven, eight years old, there are leagues that don't put into play that kids have to play the infield and, and kids don't have to go out and play the outfield and that you don't have to rotate your players. So, you know, that can create some frustration for a child as well. Like, how are they supposed to learn if you throw them in right field every single inning? You know, how are they supposed to learn if they never get to, you know, field a ground ball and understand where to throw the ball and, and, and learn all of those aspects of it. And even in practice, you don't have to do that. So, you know, they, they miss out on so much of just the fundamentals of the game and understanding how each person is involved in every single play. Um, you know, those are some of the things that I, I wish, 
some leagues would would inherit and and step back a little bit and say again, hey, these are seven and eight year olds. This is fundamental for them to understand how to play and learn this game, and you cannot start taking that away from them at seven and eight years old. That that's not fair to them, and that's not fair also to the parents because then you as a parent have to explain that to you know little Timmy. Hey, I don't want to play baseball anymore. Well, why not? Well. Coach only puts me in right field, and I don't feel like this this is that much fun. Whereas other leagues where you you can play the infield, you have to play the infield, you cannot play a position more than two or three times in a game, you have to play outfield, you're learning all of the aspects and positions of the game and how important it is to be the left center fielder because you play with four outfielders at this age to be the left center fielder. And what do you do when a ball is hit to left field oh you become the backup okay then where does the throw go okay who what does the first baseman do on that oh they come and back up the second baseman in case the ball gets away from well what's the right fielder doing well the right fielder's then backing up the right the first baseman you know all these moving pieces that you learn when you play all these other positions right so and then you you have a better understanding and education of the overall game and positions because let me tell you something you're not going to play the same position your entire life that does not happen i played basically infield my entire youth until you know 11 years old where then i moved out into center field and then i played center field for a while then i was playing on travel teams right field center field left field pitcher then it went then it became in high school pitcher and outfield and then in college it was mostly pitcher and then outfield and pitcher so you you move positions. You don't, and it is very rare that you play the same position your entire life. I, I would be shocked to know one person that's played. Yeah, I've only been shortstop ever. I've only ever played shortstop my entire career. I would find that very hard to believe. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would hope that some leagues kind of take a step back on their own rules and, and realize this is more about the kids than you as individuals or you as a league, you know, so you can get a trophy, you know, because you won the county tournament or whatever it might be, or, or you know, the town tournament, if you have more than one um, league in a town. I think that's a little silly that, you know, some of our, um, <laughs> we as adults, that gets in the way of, of the kids and the youth development. Um so the benefits, I want to talk about the benefits of coaching. So I have my team, I get to send out an email and I, and I communicate as much as I possibly can to the parents, you know, who am I, what's the expectation of the year? What do I want the kids to get out of it? What do I want to get out of it? And what do I want the parents to get out of it? And so we start practicing and we go through the year and my team had an up and down year, right? We started off a little slow. We didn't win a lot of games and then we started winning and, and the kids were, we're starting to listen a little more in the defense. And, and in the beginning of the year, what I told all the parents was, the winning will come. I want the kids to look at the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And did they learn? And did they get better? And did they understand? You know, not every kid's going to get, you know, exponentially better, but every kid improved. And that was what was the most important thing to me was, did every kid improve? Did everyone have fun? And did everybody learn something? And if they did, and they answered yes to all three of those questions, then to me, I did my job as a head coach and as a, um, you know, educator to these kids in regards to baseball. And, you know, 
the benefit was I got to spend benefits were I got to spend more time with my my oldest son. I got to spend more time with my youngest son as well, helping coach his team. Um, I got to impact hopefully eleven kids' lives through two months of their fall in a in a crazy year and 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 getting to see them be with other kids their age and and play a game that I so much enjoy and seeing the joy in them and and going out to the field and being back out on that field and and teaching and seeing some of my teachings actually go into play and celebrating with the kids and also teaching the kids throughout the game you know that was extremely beneficial for me um and I think it impacted me a lot more than I thought it was going to. You know, at, at the end of the year, it was it was a long year. It was only a couple months, two months maybe tops. Um, but it's a long year because just the logistics in in general it, it, and the time you need to be a head coach nowadays. I mean, I'm having to send out emails sometimes two, three, five, six times a week, two to three times a day in regards to schedule changing. You know, who's going to be showing up, filling out a roster, making sure the roster meets the standards of what the league is asking for, right? And what I was talking about before, having the kids, you know, play in field the amount of times that they need to, the going, playing the outfield the amount of times they need to, making sure that they're not playing the same position more than three times during a game. All of those things kind of coming into play. It is a, um, it is a, and I, I don't want to, the word is sacrifice, right? It is a sacrifice for your time. But again, I'm talking about the benefits of it. At the end of all of it, that was, it wasn't a sacrifice. It was more of, hey, this is just what you do to be a head coach, to make this impact, to have this benefit. And and I had a, a great time. And, and as the season ended, we had such a tough loss in the playoffs, but it didn't even affect those kids. You know, nothing ever really got to those kids. You know, it might have been me getting upset at them or, um, and, and upset, I'm, well, it was it, me getting upset with them. And I, and I talked to, and I addressed that with the parents that, you know, I, 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 certainly halfway through the year, I was like, I need to work on my frustration with the kids. Um, and not in a, not in a bad way, like I'm screaming at them, but, you know, just my body language in general. Again, they're seven and eight years old. They're going to make mistakes. Pros make mistakes. And I, and I would tell them that. And, and it was more of, you know, sw- nothing affected them from a negative perspective, right? You know, we, we lost games and they still were, did you have fun? Yeah, I had fun. You know, we lost the playoff game on a walk-off single in the bottom of the sixth inning. And we lost seven to six um, in a game that we thought we were going to win. And and we, we, we came back and and tied and we thought we were going to take the lead and, you know, all these things. And, And even at the end of the game, it was the end of the season. And they were still so upbeat. And that was so beneficial because it, you saw that regardless of the situation that they're in, regardless of the situation that we're in as a country and as a world, uh, in the world right now in regards to, you know, the dreaded word of COVID, um, they still 99% of the time had a smile on their face. Yes, they got upset. They got upset at themselves. They got upset about the game. They got upset about, you know, striking out or, or making a bad throw or somebody else on the team making a bad throw or not listening. But they never took it out on each other. They never sat there and hung their heads longer than um, 
after I addressed it with them, right? If I saw a kid hanging their head, I'd, I'd make sure, hey, pick your head up. We all make mistakes, right? We got to go out and play the next inning. We got to go out and make the next play. You know, understand the mistake you made and learn from it, those types of things. But they stayed so positive throughout the whole year, and it was it was really beneficial for me to see that and, and understand, and, and it made me desire to, you know, continue doing it and, and knowing that, hey, regardless of wins and losses, these kids had a great time. I had a great time. My other coaches had a great time. And, you know, all in all, the overall quote-unquote sacrifice of time that goes into it and logistics in regards to changing game times, changing fields, uh, changing days that you're playing at, you know, all of the things that go into it in regards to, you know, some of the nuances that you as a coach have to deal with, they all went away when you saw the kids at the end of every game smiling and having fun. Whether you won or lost. And you you want to win because you want the kids to know that feeling. And so when they did experience that throughout the year, that was awesome. And at the same time when they lost, it was such a... I don't want to say it was it was a good thing, but it... You know, it kind of was. It was a good thing because it was an it was an opportunity for me to teach and and an opportunity for them to experience what loss feels like and how to then build from that, right? And I think it made the kids stronger and they were so resilient and they had such a great time. You know, the benefits of all of that really came into play and, and that was um, you know, I think what at the end of all of it was the most important thing to me, right? The the three things of did you have fun? Did you learn? And um, I don't even remember the third one. What, 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 doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They had a great time. And those are the benefits of it. Now, the parents. Most of the parents that I deal with or saw for most teams, this is this is across the board, were really well behaved. There are those couple parents and and the nice thing about being out on the field versus being in the crowd with the parents, that kind of all goes away. I blocked it all out. I never really heard any of the parents um whether they were, you know, frustrating other parents or frustrating their own kids because my focus was basically coaching those kids and, and making sure that they were involved in every single play and understanding what their role was in every single play. But um, you know, I had a few instances where I had to address parents and, and it was a little unfortunate and it was a little petty and, um, you know, I think that again, and I talked about from, in regards to the coaches, but it goes for the parents as well to where sometimes you need to let your ego go away. This is your kid's time. It's not your time. And, and, you know, if there's another kid on the team that makes a mistake, you, you know, the, the last thing you need to do is be negative towards that kid. Because let me tell you something, little Timmy or Johnny is going to make a mistake too. And that, that could be your kid next. And, you know, how, how would you like it if you heard another parent, you know, talking about how your kid just screwed up, you know, because nobody's perfect out there. That, that game is very challenging no matter what level you're at and mistakes are constantly made. So, you know, there was some of the unfortunate pieces of it, uh, of being a coach, is that you don't want those kids to see that, that parents are sometimes very petty and childish and egotistical and think they can do no wrong, so their child can do no wrong, but other children can and other parents can. And, you know, not understanding why their kid 
doesn't get to play a certain position or why another kid is playing this position or why this kid's even on the team and they shouldn't be at this level. And, you know, all these things that kind of go into play. Thankfully, again, I didn't have to deal with it quite a bit. But talking to the commissioner, he, he did tell me quite a few stories of of the things that he has to deal with and has dealt with over the years in regards to parents and and their mindset in regards to their children, right? And we all think our children are great. And, and they are, as a parent, they all are great to us, right? But they're all different skill levels. You know, I can sit here and just like I do in business, you know, I stack rank my team on a quarterly basis. I stack rank that, that baseball team basically game, every game. You know, I had to figure out where my strengths and weaknesses are, where the talents were. And at the end of the year, I have a vote on, you know, what kids were going to the all-star team from my team and other teams as well. So I'm also analyzing the other team. So I'm also seeing that, you know, and, and talent levels. And sometimes parents have their own blinders on and they see that Timmy is an A player, but yet me as the coach, I'm sitting here going, actually, Timmy's a C minus player or Timmy's a B player and he's not an A player. And Johnny's actually the better player. And Johnny's the one that's going to make the all star team or Johnny's going to be the one that's hitting third and playing first base or Johnny's going to be the one hitting cleanup and, and playing shortstop or playing center field, you know. Um, and, and that's some of the stuff that you as a coach have to kind of deal with because then it does get brought to your attention by other parents. And that was also some, some of the things that I thought were a little unfortunate is that the thought and the mind, the, the processing of other parents going, well, it's happening with among us as the fans. Ryan's the head coach. I'll contact Ryan to address something that happened during a game or a practice that I overheard or I was a part of instead of just addressing it at that point in time. That's another thing too. You know, I, I said, you know, parents are a little petty. I think they're a little childish as well. And, and, and to sit there and, and have to see that, Hey, Ryan, can you address this with a parent that said this? I'm not going to name the parent, but can you address it as an entire group to everybody? And, and I have no idea what's even going on in regards to the situation. And then I'm, I, I feel like I have to do the right thing. And so I kind of I put together a communication that doesn't call anybody out, but more so, you know, uh, hey, uh, just want to make sure that everyone knows that the kids are here to have fun. This is supposed to be fun. Please make sure that it's fun and that, you know, we're encouraging everybody and da-da-da-da. And it could have been because another parent told me, Hey, so and so said that um, our kid was awful. So I want you to address that to the entire team. Okay, what? I don't know the situation. Did they, did they really say they were awful, or was it that they might have been saying that their kid was awful, which is also a terrible thing to say out loud, but it, it can happen? Uh, were they just saying that the play was awful, and it might have been an awful play, and that's just how they react to things? It, all of these things that come into play. I don't hear that in the stands because I'm not focusing on the parents. I'm focusing on the game and teaching their children. And I wish that some of these parents would take it upon themselves to have an adult conversation and address it at that point in time rather than letting it happen. It happens, leaving it alone, and then I get an email about it saying, hey, you need to go and address this team, the whole team, please, so this doesn't happen again. It's like I wasn't a part of the situation. I really don't understand what's going on. But I have, I feel like I need to do the right thing and address it as a team, so I don't call anybody out. But at the same time, I'm also addressing it. So, you know, the the parent aspect of it. Um, again, I lucked out. It wasn't that bad. I had two instances all year, 
and neither one of them were really major by any means. Um, but, you know, seeing that and, and being a part of it, it is a little unfortunate. And that's just, you know, another thing of, in regards to sacrifice, it's something you kind of sacrifice as being the head coach that you're kind of looked at as, you know, and I want to say it because it's, it, it's, uh, it, you know, brings business into it, but you're the boss. So, you know, the kids and the parents are your employer employees. So you as the boss need to address it and that's okay, I guess. But I wish sometimes that we would all act as adults because that's what we are. And if you, you see something or hear something that, you know, negatively impacts you address it, then don't, don't, don't turn to me and bring me a problem. I like, I like solutions. I don't like problems, right? I tell my team that all the time that work for me. I'm here to help you out and I'll, and I'll listen to your solution. But what I don't want you to do is just be a problem giver. Don't come to me and give me your problems and tell me that you need me to fix it. That's, that's not how I'm going to manage and that's not how you're going to progress and learn. And the same goes for this instance, right? As a parent and as an adult, I'm not here to take on your problems and then tell you how I'm going to solve them for you, you should have some type of solution for yourself. Now, if you've tried it and it didn't work and you're asking for an additional help, then I can help you out on that. But I really wish sometimes the parents would kind of scale it back a little bit and then also, you know, if they see something in in the stands or overhear something, address it, you know, address it yourself. I'm not... I'm not engaged in that, so I don't really know. Unless I, I witness it during the game, then I'll address it myself without anybody telling me I have to address it. If I see something or hear something from the parents throughout a game and I witness it, I will address it myself because that that's not acceptable to me. As as you know, I'm kind of leading into that as well. Um, you know, so we get through the season, season's done, and now I'm I'm in that time of reflection. So, you know, what what would I have done differently? Um, I think what I would have done differently is we only had four practices to begin the year. Looking back at them now, I would have structured them a little differently. I would have, um, you know, made sure that each practice was different. As I kind of went through the practices, I, I looked back as we were getting game ready and I'm going, we did basically the same practice for four practices in a row. Are these kids fully prepared for the game? Are they aware of all the situations they need to be aware of? And then it became, as any coach, and as it does throughout the year, you're coaching new situations because you can't put that into play for every practice, right? You can't, um, with only four practices and uh, attention spans of seven and eight-year-olds, you can't implement something uh, that's going to happen in every single game, right? So the coaching does occur throughout the games and the season, um, so you can't really, I, I can't sit here and be like, in the four practices, I wish I would have addressed every single thing that those kids were going to go through throughout the year. I mean, that's that's not real life. Um, so, you know, I think what I would do differently is would have structured the practices a little more thoughtfully, I think, throughout and, and going, okay, here's the initial first practice. Here's what we'll accomplish in the second practice and in the third and then the fourth, and then we'll be as game ready as possible. The other thing is, is with most kids and and most people a lot a lot of them don't learn right away right so you have to do things the repetition i tell nolan that all the time he's like oh why do we have to practice i'm like because practicing gets you prepared for when you're in the game right and even in the game 
you need to learn and and go through the repetitions and and understand everything that's going on inside of you know the aspects of every pitch every inning you know every game so you know being more prepared and going through more repetitions i think would have been um potentially more beneficial for the kids i can't guarantee it but i think that's something i would have definitely done differently another thing would have been not getting caught up so much in the game and the mistakes you know i I, sometimes i let the other coaches and i talked about it the other coaches competitiveness rub off on me and initially it rubbed off in frustration to where i was raising my voice at the kids my body language was a little bad to where i'd hang my own head i'm telling the kids not to hang their head but a bad play happens i hang my head i turn around in disgust you know things like that that the kids can pick up on that. They're very smart kids. They're very intuitive. They see everything that's going on around them. Um, it's a matter of do they let it affect them or, you know, don't they? And, and and so I addressed that about halfway through the season where I had to kind of do my own self-reflection. And I addressed it with the coaches and with the parents. I sent an email out saying that, um, you know, hey, here's where we're at halfway through the year. Here's what I've noticed. And here's something I'm going to improve on for myself for, for not only – myself and for the kids but you as parents as well so you can enjoy and and know that um me as a coach i'm out here for them and not you know for my own glory so that's another thing that i'm I'm certainly going to work on as i go through coaching um in the future is you know it's okay to be frustrated because again as any coach and and teacher and mentor when you tell somebody something over and over and over again and you think that they got it and then they continue to make that same mistake or they make that mistake Yes, it can get frustrating, but is it how you coach them or is it how you potentially told them and and assume they understood? Or, you know, just like most people, they made a mistake and, hey, the next time you pull them off to the side after the inning or after the play and you talk through that, that situation with them again and educate them rather than hanging your head, getting upset, and then not addressing it, right? You can address it during the the moment but not addressing it afterwards and that's something i changed throughout the year where it was after each inning i would try and get the kid or two kids whatever i saw on that play and kind of discuss it with them before we got their helmets and bats on and, and i went and coached third base um was making sure that it was addressed or having my assistant coaches address it with them saying hey can you go and talk to them about that play and kind of replay it with them so they understand the next time it happens what to do um And then even before games, it was the repetition piece of it. When we were taking infield, I was having the kids, before I even hit them a ball, tell me where second base is. Boom. Pointing at it. Tell me where third base is. Boom. Tell me what the right fielder's doing. Right fielder, where are you going when I hit it over here? You know, putting those pieces into play before the game so it's fresh in their minds and taking more advantage of that hour that we had before the game than I think I was before in the first couple games where I was out there just, okay, I got the kids in the cage. I'm having them hit. I'm kind of, I'm teaching them throughout the hitting. All right. Then we go into infield. I have the kids out in their positions for the first two innings. I'm hitting them balls and I'm telling them where to or watching them throw it, but I'm not teaching beforehand. Um, you know, before I hit that ball, before this pitch comes, Hey, what, what do I want you to do? I want to get your hands up. I want you to get more timing. Hey, look where your foot ended up the last swing. It's it's facing outward. Where are your, where'd your head end up? You know, how do you drive through the ball? Where do I want you to hit it back? All of those things I started implementing before the actual pitch came, before the actual 
play was put into place. All of those things. So, um, you know, those are a couple of things that I would definitely do differently and I've learned, which are which are good. Again, and, and that kind of also goes into the benefits of the overall um, coaching experience was the learning aspect for myself at the end of all of it. I, I did learn a lot. You know, it, sometimes you can go into it, especially, you know, you play baseball your whole life. You're like, okay, I've... I can probably handle this. I've been doing this my entire life. I can. I. I. I know how to implement these things and, and get the most out of these kids because I was able to get the most out of myself, and my coaches were able to get the most out of out of me throughout my career. And it's a lot more difficult than what I in, envisioned at first because, again, you have different skill levels. You have kids that learn different ways. You have kids that listen differently. You have kids that get frustrated or that don't get frustrated and. You know, how do you coach each individual and all those aspects? Um, you know, those are some of the things that I got to, to learn and be a part of, which were, which were really great. Um, so the next question is, and, and I, I had to ask myself in regards to the self-reflection now that the season's been over for about a month is, will I continue to do it? Uh, I think I've, I've alluded to that a few times already throughout this podcast today and it, yeah, I'm going to continue coaching. Um, when the spring comes around, when Nolan's ready to, to play again, uh, I'll, I'll be the head coach for that team, and and I'll be the assistant for Harrison's team whenever I can make those games, um, as long as they don't overlap. Um, and and why? Why would I, why would I want to coach again? Again, everything that's come along with it. You know, I talked about the other coaches. I talked about the parents, some of the negative aspects of it. Let me tell you, the positives outweigh the negatives by a hundred. Um, you know, the positive impact that I was able to make on those kids, the positive impact that those kids made on me, um, the fun I had, the, the enjoyment of being out there on the baseball field, seeing my own son get better and love the game and want to continue playing and learning it and seeing these other kids grow and knowing that you help them do that. And then, you know, hopefully in the spring, some of those kids might be on my team again, and some of them are going to be on other teams. And getting to see them continue to grow in, in the sport, um, you know, that's why I want to do it again. And, and again, the benefits, the pros certainly outweigh the cons by a lot. So my final thoughts on, on coaching in Little League um, come down to a couple of things. I hope that moving forward and and I don't me as an individual I don't know how this changes but hopefully more parents get involved in coaches and leagues remember it's about the kids and it's about investing in them and teaching them and getting them to understand the fundamentals and I'm talking about this age group currently the seven and eight year olds even my four-year-old my four and five the four and five year olds the six and seven year olds the seven and eight year olds as we continue growing not focusing on okay hey this person's my best shortstop i'm gonna play him at shortstop the whole time all right this person's my best hitter i'm having him hit third the whole season uh this person's terrible okay right field the whole year you know we're kind of just gonna write them off already Kids learn at different speeds. Kids top out talent at different ages. I've played my entire life. I've seen kids that were awesome at 12, barely 
get through high school baseball. I've seen kids that were okay players at 11, 10 years old, turn into some of the best in the entire state at 13, 14, and throughout high school. I've seen kids that were decent early on high school players make it big in baseball, right? Kids develop at all different times and stages of their lives. Don't put them into a situation where they sit there and go at eight years old, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't fun. I'm not having a good time. I'm not learning anything. It's so frustrating. I see my parents are getting frustrated about it. I don't like it. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, that's something I wish will change. And I wish we could revert back to when I was a kid. Cause I felt like that's where we were at as kids. Um, you know, at seven years old, I remember my league, I wasn't even doing machine pitch or anything like that. I think it was still like coach pitch at that age, you know, um, and it was more about the fundamentals than anything else. I don't even think we even kept score. You know, now we have the scoreboards on, we have the website that has the league standings and all this stuff, and it's all accessible to the kids and the parents, and, you know, they can see all of it. Um, you know, that those are some, that's, that's one of the things the, my biggest thought of, of where little league is and youth sports is right now is that level of competition of, are these kids going to burn out too young? Are we going to miss out on the next Derek Jeter? Are we going to miss out on the next, um, you know, Mike Trout because we burned that kid out at such a young age or that kid got, you know, frustrated at such a young age and said, I don't want to play anymore. This isn't fun. And they could have developed into something incredible. Um, you know, that, that's something that certainly is out there in my mind and, and a, and a concern for sure. Um, but you know, that, that's something that's going to take more than me to, to accomplish. Um, that, that, can really come down to a lot of in regards to little league and, and the, the rules that they implement as an organization and, and Babe Ruth and the Cal Ripken league and all those other leagues that are out there. Those are the ones that are implying implementing all these rules. They're the ones that have to cut and put it in place as an organization and pass it down to their affiliates across the entire country and world. So um, I'm just one person talking about it, but you know, that that's one of my biggest takeaways is seeing that. Um, and my other final thoughts were, it was fun. It was a lot more fun than I expected. There were times of frustration, but there was a lot of learning. And again, at the end of all of it, seeing those kids' faces at the end of every single game and talking with them and seeing that they just were so happy to be out there and just to play and to be around kids their age, that, you know, that was the most important thing. As crazy as this world is right now, and, and regardless of what year it is, right, this this year has been a wild one in, in, in general, but even before this year, the, the world is a crazy place, and you hope it doesn't impact the kids. And I saw that throughout all of this and the craziness of this world, that they're just kids, and they're there to have a good time. And yeah, they get frustrated. They also get really excited when they make a great play or they... they score a run or we win a game but at the end of all of it they're just happy to be there and that made me happy to be there and um so that's why i'm going to continue doing it those are my thoughts on coaching in little league it was a great first experience and i'm looking forward to the spring and seeing what uh it continues to offer me as um 
as I grow as a coach and, um, and parents remember their kids, this is their life. Yes. You have to push them as a parent. Yes. You have to be involved in it, but please understand they are kids. They're going to learn it different ways. They're going to want to do things their way. Sometimes it might be frustrating. It might not be the way that you want it to be done. Me as a coach, I can tell you that I'm, I'm the same way. I tell you to do something, you didn't do it. That's really frustrating. But at the same time, they're kids. So let them be kids. Let them enjoy the games. Let them enjoy the sport that they're playing. Don't burn them out. Don't put too much pressure on them. You know, in regards to what I'm talking about, we're talking about Little League. So let's talk about kids 12 and under. Last time I checked, no 12-year-old was ever drafted in Major League Baseball. No 12-year-old was ever drafted in the NFL. No 12-year-old was never drafted in the NBA. Be there to coach, to encourage, and educate them. And I think that'll benefit them a lot more than putting unwarranted pressure on them because you might have a complex that you need to deal with internally that you're now putting onto your child. There's nothing wrong with being competitive. There's nothing wrong with pushing your kid. But don't burn out the kid. We want that next Derek Jeter. We want that next Mike Trout. We want that next superstar. We want that next awesome high school player. We want that next role player for high school. We want that next college Division II pitcher like myself. We want that. And we're not going to get that if we continue down this path of, of pushing our kids too hard too soon. They will burn out. They will get frustrated. Coaches, you're there to teach the kids. If you're there for winning, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. These are kids. The winning will come if you teach them the right way to play the game, if you teach them the fundamentals. Don't neglect the kid or kids that don't have as much talent as the other kids. Don't favorite the kids that have the talent and you leave the kids out that are frustrating to you. Kids learn in all different ways. Don't make this about yourself and winning. This is about the kids and educating them. Remember why you got into coaching. It was to teach them a game that you enjoy to where they are supposed to enjoy and learn. Some will come and go. Some will stay steady through it and play it throughout their entire lives. But remember, this is for the kids. Thanks. Thanks.